Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Decibel Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. All right, here we go. It's time for the Decibel Geek Podcast. It's a show about rock and roll and time travel. That's right. I'm your mysterious host, Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my kick-ass friend and awesome co-host. See how I switch that up? It's Chris Sinzak. <laughs> Happy October. Yes, it's finally here. Summer's almost gone. Autumn's upon us. The most metal of all seasons. Yeah, I would say so. But yes, we are time travelers, not from the future. We can't tell you what's going to happen. We're actually time travelers from the past. Yeah, but the recent past. Very recent past, yeah. So today we're doing new noise. And because we're in the past, it may seem like old noise, but it's noise nonetheless. And we're going to make a little noise about it and have fun doing it today. Chris Sinzak, right now in present time, is in Florida on vacation, right? Yeah, I'm on a beach probably drunk out of my mind. Nice. That sounds good. I have no idea where I'm going to be, and I don't know where anybody else is going to be, but I know this week everything in the world is still kind of weird. So I'm hoping wherever you are listening to this in the future, things are awesome. Yeah, we're we're recording this on the first day of October, but you'll you'll get it relatively quickly. Yeah, so we didn't want to leave you guys hanging without something. Chris Sinzak, man, he's been trying to go on vacation since the day after Rockin' Pod, and it's never worked out. Finally, it's happening for him. We don't want to leave you guys hanging, so we're going to make sure we do something. So we're recording new noise in the past to bring to you in the future so you don't miss out on anything. So you know that means we don't have any reviews. Surprise, surprise. I'm going to guess in the future, hopefully we do. That means we also don't have any Geeks of the Week, but... If I were to guess, I would say it was probably Adam Cox, Rock and Ron Runyon, probably Brent Tibbetts and Mike Tyler, Cobras and Fire podcast, right? Of course, they're going to share yeah. it. Matt Ashcraft, Kevin Williams, Mark and Jerry BS Sessions, Shane Bear, Keith Rockford, Jay Shablewski. I'm, I'm certain you don't got to be Nostradamus to look into the future and know those fine folks have shared it. I'm sure Sit and Spin with Joe probably did. Aaron Baker, I know for sure did. Joe Capone, Wayne Cross, Shay Hargett, David Cathy right here in Nashville, our good brother. Mike Parnell, I'm sure. David Glenn, you know, he shared it. Of course, the Mighty K shared it. That's pretty amazing. You have qu- quite a, you have quite a Who recall. Else? Who else? Oh, Scott Crouch and... The, the Mooger Booger. All right. <laughs> That's pretty impressive, Aaron. I'm just guessing. I'm I'm almost certain. Yeah, it didn't those... sound like you were reading from a list at all. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna call you out before Cobras and Fire does it. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> I know it. I know it's true. 
So anyway, we want to make sure you guys got something fun. It's always fun to talk about what's going on in the world of rock and roll. So this is probably the quickest intro ever. You know we're part of Pantheon Podcasts. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. And all the good stuff, Facebook, YouTube, we need reviews. We need reviews. Facebook recommendations. Podchaser reviews. Apple Podcast reviews. That's it. Let's talk about the news. Yeah, so um, we, I, you know, I was putting together the stories today, and I'm getting ready to fire the microphone up, and I see late breaking news well, as of when we record this. Yeah, it's old news to you guys, but it's old news now. You've all breaking news from the past. But you're going to hear our basically our live reaction to this. Diamond David Lee Roth is uh, calling it quits. He's retiring. Put a statement out today. Oh man. Why? Why can't David Lee Roth be 20 years old forever? Yeah, he's uh and of course, you know, he put out a 6-minute audio statement, but uh, somebody transcribed some of the quotes. I'm not going to go through the entire thing, but uh I'll uh, I'll read a few of the quotes that he had and he says, "I'm throwing in the shoes. I'm retiring." This is the first and only official announcement. You've got the news. Share it with the world. Um, he said, I'm not going to explain the statement. The, the explanation is in a safe. These are my last five shows. He's doing five shows at the House of Blues at Mandalay Bay on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and a couple other days in January. Um, wow. So, of course, the, the cynical question is, is he only doing this to fire up ticket sales for, for the House of Blues shows? And then he's going to say, oh, I had so much fun, I'm back. Because, I mean... <laughs> Some bands like to do that type of thing. No, who would do something like that? Kiss, <laughs> Scorpions. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, let's hope Dave doesn't go to a car wash anytime soon and have a guy talk him out of it, right? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. I said I hope he does talk him out of it. Yeah. Um, and then it, one thing he says, Al and I have, Al, Alex Van Halen and I have been talking. I can't speak for him just yet, but he knows what I'm about to say. We speak to each other constantly two or three times a day. We laugh like pirates. Call That's me cool. cynical, but I wonder if him and Alex Van Halen really talk two or three times a day. <laughs> I don't know. Why would you I say mean, it, something like that if it's not true? Because then Alex because could I just, just go out and go like, no, we don't. Yeah, but Alex Van Halen like never says anything publicly ever about anything. Maybe so, it's a slight exaggeration meant to just yeah. kind of make the point of, you know, Alex and I are in a really good place. We're friends. We talk to each other all the time. It may be weekly, you know, who knows what yeah, it is, I, but it's good to know that those two are on great terms. Yeah, I hope that's the case because that, that makes me happy. But he says uh, he had mentioned thinking about the departure of my beloved classmate recently, obviously talking about Eddie. And he says, I'm encouraged and compelled to really come to grips with how short time is. And my time is probably even shorter. And he says, I thought I might have been the first, frankly. Um, and he put a quote that he used to say to Ed. He said, hey, Ed, objects in the rearview mirror are probably me. And, mm. uh, and my doctors, my handlers compelled me to really address that. Every time I go on stage, I endanger that future. And he says, I know that when I'm in the audience, whether you come out with a ukulele or a marching band, all I ask is you give me everything you've got to give. That's what I did for the last 50 years. Um, Damn straight. So he's... Um, yeah, he's. It sounds like he's sincere about this, and um, I and I don't blame him. I mean, what else does he have left to prove at this point? You sure. know, he's got enough money to live on. So, what's the point? Of, if it's not fun for him anymore, then you know, good on you, Dave, for doing what you're doing. Well, absolutely, and it comes a point in everybody's career where you say, you know, it's time to retire. You know, and for most people, nobody's in the world is getting too upset that you're retiring from your job. You know, but with a guy like David Lee Roth, it breaks the world's heart to know, you know, well, it's the end of an era and 
man, that guy's given us a lot over the years, man. A lot of great music, whether it's Van Halen or solo stuff. I've loved it all, you know. I I followed David Lee Roth from the moment I heard Van Halen. And, you know, when I was young, the Eat Em and Smile album was just huge to me. I had it on LP. I played it. Man, I wish I had a dollar for every time I played that album growing up, you know, because I listened to it a lot. And Dave was always just the coolest guy, you know, because we came up in the era of early MTV. And there was nobody cooler in those days on MTV than David Lee Roth. You know, everything David Lee Roth was doing back then was over the top and so cool that a kid like me was like, well, I don't really like Bruce Springsteen and I don't really like Elton John and I don't really like the Rolling Stones, but man, that David Lee Roth is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely a legend and, uh, you know, I... <laughs> Not that I'm taking a shot, but it's like, well, at least, you know, certain people know when it's time to hang it up rather than, you know, resorting to tracks and stuff like that. Yeah, true. I don't know. The whole thing a few weeks ago with Gene, what he said about Dave and all that, I hope that doesn't have any effect on it, and I can't imagine that it does. I doubt David Lee Ross losing any sleep over what Gene Simmons says. (laughs) No, but it it does got to kind of suck to get dropped off a tour like that. Yeah, and I mean, I and I think like you said at the time when we talked about it, then I think it was purely a cost-cutting move, and I, I don't know that they meant it as a slight to Roth. I just think, you know, and look at the Kiss stage on the the latest leg of the tour; they've removed you know numerous parts of that show, and it's just getting smaller as time goes on. So it's like, and they did the same thing in the when the Crazy Nights tour happened. It was really big and cool when it started, and then by the end, it was just nothing. So by December, it's going to be candelabras. Even with Roth, I probably wouldn't go see this tour again. But, uh, yeah, we got stuck with the painter here. Yeah, I was going to say, man, I wish we'd have got to see David Lee Roth. No, we got the painter. And everybody from here on out is going to get the painter, too. Yeah. So, I don't know. but I'd sure love to be in Vegas for them shows, though. Oh, that would be fun. I, I wish I could see him one more time. But, yeah, I just it's not going to happen, it looks like. And it's one of those things, too. A guy like David Lee Roth, he can't get up on stage and just sit on a chair and sing those songs. No. And when he talks about his handlers and his doctors and everybody that cares about him going, you're going to kill yourself up there one of these times doing all that crazy jumping around shit that you do. How, how old do you think you are? And I'm sure they tell him that a lot because when David Lee Roth's up on stage, man, he's giving it his all even up to the to the very end, you know? And so you got to respect them. You know, you got to respect them. You got to love them. David Lee Ross given a lot over the years. I wish so much I could be at that show. I never got to see Van Halen live, but I did get to see Dave live one time, and he was kick-ass awesome. Well, maybe, and this is my conspiracy theorist coming out, maybe he saw our panel we did with Billy and Greg, and this is all a ruse, and they're secretly planning the Eat Him and Smile reunion tour. Oh, yeah. I like that story a lot better. Run with it. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go all TMZ on you. Uh Uh-huh. Man, I wish that was true. You know what? If those last shows were the reunited band for Eat and Smile and they were playing that shit in its entirety, I'd have to figure out a way to go. Yeah, I might actually get pushed over over the edge to actually travel for that, but yeah. uh, I don't know. Sounds like David Lee Roth has an opening on his schedule next August, though. So you know, maybe right on. <laughs> See, that would be cool. You know, you can still get out and meet the fans. You can still be at Rock and Pod twenty twenty two. Oh, that'd yeah. be awesome. 
let me look at second and third mortgages and we'll see about getting his guarantee covered. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chris goes into financial ruin, but hey, David Lee Ross coming to Rock and Pod. <laughs> oh man. How sweet uh, it would Rock be. And Pod, Rock and Pod one week and then a month later I'm living in a cardboard box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, so worth it. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah. Wasn't expecting to talk about that till you know like thirty minutes ago. But yeah, uh, well, God bless David Lee Roth, and we love you, brother. Thank you for all you've given us, rock and rollers, over the years. All the joy. All right, so the next story. Um, well, another person who's taking a break, at least. Um, Troy Lucetta, our friend from Tesla, you know, recently announced he was taking a break from the band. And um, I texted Troy. Uh, this week actually but i haven't heard back from him but uh because you know i'm like eddie trunk and i'm friends with him but uh yeah because it's all about me um yeah we go way back you know we text three times a year uh but uh you know he took a break and a lot of people have been kind of wondering like what's going on why is troy not uh not playing with tesla and uh frank hannon gave a interview recently and he kind of provided a lot more clarification with eddie trunk by the way he said that uh when we got hit with COVID super hard in August, everybody got sick, including Troy. Oh, man. And, so, and when we finally all got over it, I think Troy realized, you know what, man, I just don't want to go on the road. I need more time. So he's taking the time he needs to pull it together. A lot of people are feeling that way, and I don't blame him. Says so He's in his 60s. He's been touring with us for 35 years, so he's taking a break. And I don't know when he's going to come back. And thank goodness he hooked us up with our old friend Steve Brown, who's Mick Brown's brother. Um, and man's, and I guess Steve has filled in for Troy when he needed breaks in the past. I didn't know that. And he says, but this kind of worries me. He says, whenever Troy is ready to come back, we'll talk about that then. But right now, Steve Brown is really kicking ass for us, which I hope that's not going to be a matter of, well, we don't know if we want to have you back. I hope that's not the case. Cause that yeah. gave me a little, little pause when I read that. But, uh, I guess the whole band got sick with COVID and Troy kind of took stock and was like, I, you know, I need time off. Um, I mean, I can dig yeah. it. You know, we've always said you think about musicians, and when I think about a drummer, I think you know not only do you have to be an awesome musician and a mathematician, you got to be an athlete up there to be able to do that. Like you said, Troy's getting in his sixties. You know, maybe yeah. he becomes like a special attraction. You know, where he comes out and you know joins the band on certain special events or things like that. That's that's a long time to be in a band and doing what they're doing for so long. You can't yeah. blame a guy for maybe wanting to take a break. And I think in this case, well, again, well, well deserved. Well, and after, you know, and after going through COVID, he, you know, he might be a little gun shy to want to go out to crowds and stuff. So I don't, yeah. and I can't blame him for that either. Maybe he just wants to stay home and hang out in that sweet ass studio. He was building the last time we went over and seen him. That thing's got to be finished by now. I think it is. And he's been working on other stuff with other artists. So, you know, he might just be want to work on some other stuff, and he's earned that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, because, uh, yeah, me personally, I, I went through COVID last month, too, and it sucked. And I saw another interview with Frank Hannon. He talked about his – he, he had a very similar experience to me. It was like a month a month of shit that he had to go through, and that's what I went through. And I still don't feel 100%. But, um, but yeah, and, like, going out there, especially when you're the drummer of the band, that's very athletic work. It's hard mm -hmm. to do. And uh, if, if your lung capacity is not 100%, I got to imagine it's, it's hard even when it is. So um, best wishes to Troy. Hopefully I'll hear back from him because, you know, we are great friends. <laughs> 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 uh, 
You're sassy tonight. What's going on with you? What are you drinking? I'm, I'm drinking beer, and I'm also starting my vacation, so I'm in a good mood today. Ah, but, um, okay. All right. I'm still drinking these younglings. They're everywhere. Where did all these younglings come from? It's Matt Porter's fault. No, it's Rock and Pot After Party's fault. Everybody brought these things over here, and all this time later, I'm still drinking them. Well, for domestic beer, it's got the highest alcohol content, so you're moving your way into IPAs. You're going to be drinking IPAs before you know it, Aaron. I'm getting used to it. I kind of <laughs> like this beer. Yeah, you get a good buzz off you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll get sassy by the end, too. Yeah, I just I feel like busting some balls, but yeah, no, Eddie <laughs> Trunk's an easy target. Um, but uh, all right, so let's go to the next story, which is a little near and dear to us because uh, big news for Pantheon Podcast, our host company. Oh yeah, I saw this earlier. This is freaking awesome, man! I this is really really cool. You guys are gonna dig it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a podcast called The Real Me, a new production from Pantheon, premiering Tuesday, October fifth. Follows the emotionally powerful stories of young songwriters and performers with cancer who found hope, healing, and connection through music. And um, it's uh, presented by Teen Cancer America. It's a national nonprofit founded by Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend of The Who. Uh, the hi- Real Me highlights the moving experience of cancer pay- patients and TCA's Play It Back program, which matches them with music professionals to write, perform, and record fully produced studio versions of their original songs. So it's uh and Rod yeah I think Roger Daltrey is going to be doing the uh like the voiceover for this. Yeah. That's really awesome, man. I really like that a lot because it's such an amazing thing they're doing. The concept of it is awesome, you know, because you got these kids that had cancer, they're musicians and it's a struggle to be a musician for one and then two, you're going through something like that. What amazing stories must come from those experiences? And with Pantheon being involved in it, that makes it awesome. The fact that the Who's helping out with it, I mean, it's this is a feel-good thing, man. I really like it a lot, and I'm proud of everybody that's involved in it. Yeah, and Christian and Peter from Pantheon have been working on this for a long time. So I, uh, it's one of those things where they were talk, they would talk about it behind the scenes, but we couldn't say anything. So uh, I'm excited for them. I know they were ready to burst before it finally came out that today about that it happening, and uh, it's a big deal. And it's a great thing they're doing here for this. It's always good when it's got a a good story behind it. So very excited for that. Uh, And side note, uh, I was listening to uh, We've Come For You All by Anthrax today. And uh, did you know that Roger Daltrey sings backing vocals on Taking the Music Back on that album? I did not. He does. I wonder how that worked out. Uh, I believe Scott Ian was having dinner with him. I'm not sure how that got set up, but... It was when they were making the record, and he was like, you want to come sing back up? And he wasn't even expecting to get a yes, and Roger Dalton was like, yeah, why not? Sure. So, I've always wanted to play on an Anthrax album. Yeah, so Roger Daltrey appears on that album, on that song. I love that song, too. Wow. It's a great one. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, good on uh, Pantheon for doing that. That's really cool. Good guys, man. All right. Now, the ne- I'm, I'm interested in, this next, in your reaction to this next story because I know – you weren't super crazy about all the guest stuff on Ozzy's last record. I don't think it was a matter of having guests on the record. It was a matter of who the guests were for me. <laughs> well, I saw this headline today. Ozzy Osbourne's new album is going to feature guest appearances by Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, Tony Iommi, and Zach Wilde. See, now that 
is good news. I like that. Those are the kind of collaborations I want to see. Don't get your Elton John and my Ozzy Osbourne, but <laughs> Tony Iommi and Ozzy, hell yes. I want to hear that. Zach Wilde, absolutely. What What are they going to do with Eric Clapton, man? Some kind of awesome bluesy kind of thing? I'm looking forward to hearing I don't... it. Same, same with Jeff Beck, man. That guy's a legend. You know, I'd love to hear what these guys come up with. Yeah, the um the Jeff Beck one I think is going to be cool because of he does so many off the wall solos that if he does some really wacky solos on on a song I think it'll be cool. But Clapton's the square peg in the round hole here, so I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Um, I've been uh you know how you know how I'm a rabid CD hunter right and I'm always on the hunt for CDs. Well, here recently, I've been coming across a lot of Eric Clapton CDs at really affordable prices. So I keep finding these CDs. So it's like, you know what? For a buck, I'll give it a try. And uh, I take it home. I listen to it. And every Eric Clapton has at least two good songs on it. But most Eric Clapton's albums only have two good songs on them. (laughs) Is what I'm realizing. A lot of blues covers. Oh, yeah. He loves to do cover songs. You know, it's weird. Like, when I was younger, like, my dad was a big Clapton fan. Loved him. Um, especially Cream and Derek I and the Dominoes. And yeah. Layla was, like, one of his favorite songs. And I remember I used, I made him real proud when I learned how to play the riff to Layla. And, nice. like, he, he would, he would like, to play Layla because he was, you know, he loved that song. But, uh, yeah, I so I really got into him when I was a kid, mostly because of my dad's influence. Um, but... I love the cream stuff. I love Derek and the Dominoes, but then you get into the solo stuff with from the '80s, and at the time, I, I I liked it. It was actually like Journeyman and you know the song Pretending and yeah, even the MT, even the MTV Unplugged at the time was really cool to hear those songs stripped down because that was kind of a new art form at the time. And art form as far as mainstream media goes, because obviously people played acoustic guitar <laughs> for years, but. But here, hearing him strip down Layla, uh, you know, and some of those you know songs that were souped up on the original albums was cool and i was very into him at the time because i uh, yeah i remember one christmas i got eric clapton mtv unplug and revenge for christmas together i remember that and i listened to both those cds on repeat forever but it's weird i never really go back to his music much anymore but um who knows but I mean, I I don't know. I'm at Ozzy said he does do a solo on the record, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to hear what he does. Um, it's not that out of out of whack. I'm sure they've known each other for a long time. Yeah, but, and I get to hear Ozzy doing some kind of cool rocked out blues song. Yeah, and I'm excited that to hear that Zach's coming back to do some stuff. Yeah, on this record too. I like that a lot. So I guess no, uh, Andrew Watt's going to produce again, but I guess he's not going to do the guitar part. So that could be interesting. Should be cool, man. I think it's going to be better than the last one. Even though the last one did grow on me over time, even though people skewered me for it, but I liked it. Because you Um, love Post Malone so much. I love that one song. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Next story. What else we got? All right, we'll talk about this one for a while um, because there's a lot of split opinions on this um did you see kiss announced the destroyer box set that's coming out i think i saw julian gill posted something about that and i i heard i seen it but i don't know nothing about it all right so there's different you know and to be fair to kiss here there's different versions of this it's the 45th anniversary edition of of the album so you can get for 20 bucks you can get the deluxe edition that's two cds 
And then okay. you can get what is it? Like, is it is it like the original version and then the Bob Ezrin version that came out a couple of years ago, or is it something special? It's special. So, but I want to. What I want to talk about is the the the, the big big version of it. That's okay. uh, the expensive one. Oh, there's a Destroyer Vault. Kind of, but well, but there's split opinions on it. If it if they did enough on this for the price for the price they put on it. Okay, let's see. I don't know nothing about it, so I'll judge it. So there's the two CD version. That's 20 bucks. That's not bad. Okay. There's a two LP version for about 40 bucks. That's not bad. That's not bad. The, there's a two LP limited deluxe edition that comes with like a book, and that's 50. Not hmm. bad. But then okay. the, the one that most people are ordering is the super deluxe four CD and Blu-ray audio edition. Blu-ray audio? And yeah, which is odd to me. I, I thought Blu-ray was all just video, but it's uh, the price point is two hundred dollars. Okay, which is pretty steep. But the <clears throat> let me go over what's in this thing. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, destroy your forty-fifth super deluxe, annihilates your senses with four CDs, a first-ever Dolby Atmos and five-point-one surround Blu-ray audio disc mixed by Stephen Wilson. 68-page hardcover book with unreleased photos and extensive liner notes featuring 73 total tracks with 48 tracks unreleased. Whoa. Well, we'll get to this. <laughs> Destroyer's been newly remastered at Abbey Road Mastering Studios. Bonus audio includes the brand-new Beth Acoustic Mix. Hmm. Yay. <laughs> um, loads of, although it is Dick Wagner playing the guitar, which is cool. Um Loads of single edits, demos, early versions, and outtakes like Ain't None of Your Business, plus the 52276 Limpia in Paris concert, which is has been known in bootleg circles for 20-plus years as Fried Alive. It's been around forever. Um, a wealth of exclusive collectibles. There's where the rub kind of comes in, uh, including a replica 1976 Kiss Army kit complete with original folder and fo the following items, which it comes with. Like the newsletter, the destroy eight two eight by ten destroyer press photos, discography sheet, Gene Paul Ace and Peter bio sheet, Kiss Army member certificate, Kiss Army membership card, bonus items, not originally in the Kiss Army kit include that will be featured in it included that will be featured in it, Kiss Iron On Kiss Army sticker, so an Iron On a sticker, a Detroit Rock City bumper sticker, a Destroyer cover sticker, Kiss On Westminster Bridge UK poster, hmm. four brand new eight by ten member photos. A foil flyer, a Canadian flyer, four band member trading cards, even more collectibles. Kiss over New York Skyline poster, Kiss Halloween 76 concert poster, two Destroyer tour stage blueprints on transparent vellum, Destroyer 1976 replica tour program, Gotham Rock City News, newspaper track-by-track -track interview hard in a hardcover book, 68 pages overflowing with unreleased photos, imagery, and the most detailed retrospect, blah, 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 blah. And then the track list. So those are all things that are in the book, or those are all separate things? They're all extra, like, tchotchkes okay. get, that get thrown yeah, in. That's with not those. bad. That's a lot of stuff. It's cool. And then, but here, the rub comes in with what's on the audio. So yeah, disc, that's, that's the only thing I truly care about is the songs by Kiss that I haven't heard before. Thank you. And that's the thing. It's like, so you, in a lot of this stuff, I mean... I don't know if you're as geeky about demos as me, but pretty much just about everything on here I've heard already. Yeah. It's a lot of demos. Um, 
that had been released in bootleg circles forever. Some of them came out on the Gene Simmons vault. Um, and then the the live Paris show, which has been around since like the late 80s, early 90s, I think. So Unless they've got like good audio of it. Well, like that's, that's something everybody revered for a long time and said, I wish we could hear a good, clean version of this. And now they're finally right. doing it. Well, that's and that's Julian Gill's point is we should be happy that we're going to hear crystal clear versions of that. But I'm, in my opinion, the jury's still out on if we're going to hear crystal clear versions of this stuff. I hope yeah. we do, but I'm worried we're going to end up getting the same demo quality stuff that has been floating around forever that you can get on YouTube. Hmm. So I'm I'm not ready to pull the trigger on it myself. So there just must not be any more stuff from back then. Kiss pretty much had their songs, went in, recorded them, released them on the albums. You know, there's not a lot of extra songs. Like you got Smoke and things like that, but, you know, those those have been around. You know, people have heard that stuff forever. Yeah. Is there just nothing nothing left? Did they not sit on anything? I don't think so. I mean, because, I mean, everything I'm looking at on these lists, everything looks familiar to me. I don't, there's nothing on here that looks different to me. So, and that, yeah. and like, maybe that's my fault because I like bootleg stuff, but not everybody does. Right. So if, if you weren't a bootleg collector, you might go crazy over this, but. So again, know. just like everything with Kiss, it's not for the hardcore fans. Well, I, and I don't know that that's fair. Because, I mean, if Julian's right and it's crystal clear stuff, then. It'll probably be worth it, but and I'm and this is not me being jaded, but to me it's like, do we need another damn version of Destroyer? I mean, can't we do another record? <laughs> Why does everything have to revolve yeah. around this one album? I agree with you there. That bugs Why me. Why not do something special with Creatures of the Night? Yeah. Or do something special with Unmasked even. Yeah. You know, maybe they got some stuff from that era. But it's always got to be Destroyer. Like, yeah. You know, growing up, every time a new Kiss album was coming out, somebody would say, what's it going to be like? And they'd say, Destroyer. it's the next Destroyer, you know? Destroyer's not even my favorite Kiss album. But it, for the studio original albums, it's the one most revered by the general public, which is... Because it's got Beth on it. Yeah, and Detroit Rock City. it was City. their highest seller. Yeah, but I mean, it's... And they love the, what Bob Ezrin did with them. And I get it. I mean, if I'm in their shoes, I probably like like it that much too but i don't know man i i you know and i hope it's a sign of things to come for the other albums i mean i would if there was a deluxe animalize that came out i would be all over it you know but i thought you were gonna say crazy nights right off the top <laughs> well that goes without saying i'll be a first day buyer yeah because that would be cool too especially if there's extra stuff on there that you'd never heard before I don't know. Some of the argument here is, you know, a lot. There's some fans that are saying, well, I don't give a damn about a sticker or an iron on or a bumper sticker or, you know, they, they're like, give me the music. You know, it's just. It, Those are the true Kiss fans that yeah. care about the music. Which that's kind of me. I mean, this stuff, all this extra stuff's cool, but it's. I'm the same way. And, you know, and I'm very proud to this day of my Thin Lizzy box set that I paid out the nose for. But. It's still got a bunch of stuff that I'd never go back to. I I care about the music that's on. I listen to that all the time. But yeah, you're not. I'm not looking at the postcards that came with it. I mean, you know, I don't care about that. In that case, like I said, maybe there's just nothing left. You know, maybe there's nothing left out there in existence, Chris Sinzak, that you haven't heard. So the only thing Kiss could do is continue to make mu new music. Is that what you want? What Kiss making new music now? 
Yeah, because that's it. That's the only way you're going to get Kiss songs you've never heard before. If Gene can, if Gene can sing all of them, sure. Maybe Kiss should break up, and Gene Simmons and Ace Frehley should start a band together. I just want Gene to get Ryan, Jeremy, and Phil, and do and do an original album. Well, of course, yeah. those guys would be the rest of the band. Yeah, that that's all I care. I, I'd be happier for that than a new Kiss record, for real. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'd be super excited about that. <laughs> oh, and there is a there's a misprint on here. Um, on the deluxe edition on the track listing because there's a, a gene simmons demo that i know it's from the vault and it, it's it's a, it's called night fly but they list it as night boy which is not a good title huh. but i don't know i mean it's i remember having a cd of destroyer outtakes and stuff and did you ever hear the ain't none of your business demo with peter chris singing yes yeah like so like that stuff was cool but, I mean, if we can get really crystal clear versions of that, then I'll probably end up buying this. That would be awesome. Yeah. So, we'll see. Uh, but I'm I'm going to wait until it's out where I can kind of sample a little bit. But if it is if it is that, I'll I'll buy it. But, I mean, how good can it get if it's just demo stuff? It's the same demo stuff you've heard. How much more can you do to it to make it sound well, like, you know, you can't mix a demo and make it sound like, you know, CD quality. No, but if it's first generation compared to the crap that I've had to listen to over the years, I mean, uh, that's true. Like the cassette tapes and CDs we bought in the '90s at the record yeah, shops yeah, were they were like yeah. the 50th version of it that was recorded yeah. over. So. Those were some of the greatest times in my life to be in uh, Radio Chaos CD store in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and we go down there once in a while, and he would have weird shit like that, mm-hmm. and I just remember like finding like a Kiss bootleg. CD collection of different songs I'd never heard before. It was like one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my entire life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was that way in Murfreesboro here um, when I was in, when I started college. Um, it was the year of the reunion tour, and I got the on VHS. I got the K Rock Weenie Roast on VHS. Yeah, and uh, one other show. I don't remember what the other Madison Square Garden. I think it was during the reunion tour, and that guy got him in and. It was just this old dude at this record store, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my God, I'll buy these from you. And he's like, that's just Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, but I'll yeah. buy them anyway. And then take them back to my dorm room and, and play them in my dorm room for my roommate, who absolutely hated Kiss and made fun of them every time I played them. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was back in the times before you could just hit a button and watch stuff, you yeah. know, you had to seek it out. And my roommate was a gay guy and he was a radio DJ, but he was like, he was like 18, you know, he was a young guy and he, he didn't know anything about Kiss. But the minute I start playing it, he's like, he, he saw Paul say, I was like, Yeah, he's gay. <laughs> he, he would make fun of Paul Stanley relentlessly. I don't know. Some things never change. People still make fun of Paul Stanley for many different reasons. I love Kiss, but I love making fun of them too. But um, yeah, that we just do. Well, I mean, we do that with our sports teams too. Um, I don't. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want to make fun of Kiss, and I don't want to think bad thoughts about Kiss. And I don't, just like I wouldn't want to do that with the Packers or anybody else. You know, I just. I only want to think good thoughts about Kiss, and sometimes, most of the time, it just it's tough. They make know. it hard sometimes. De- debating the negatives is is part of the fun experience for me. I don't know. Um, that's just the way I'm built, I guess. So, all right. So I kind of posted about this um, last week, but uh, 
I wanted to talk about it on the show um, because this is, I don't know if you've been following it, but uh, since COVID, you know, a lot of rock festivals have been coming back and some of them are launching new ones. And have you been following what's been going on the last couple of weeks with um, some of these festivals? Kind of in the peripheral a little bit. I've, I've heard a couple of things. Well, fill me in. There's different ones we're going to talk about, and some of them are new and some of them are all older. But uh, this is uh, basically there's been a lot of horror stories over what I've seen lately. And the biggest one that I've noticed is uh, this thing called the Blue Ridge Rock Festival that took place out in Virginia. And it would take, I could do, we could do probably two or three shows just on this one festival and all the shit that went down. Really? Yeah, because it's, uh, it's bad. Um, but I don't. So who was all playing at this? Well, thing? let me look that up because I, it's it's more about the fallout from the festival, no more so than the band bands. But they had a great lineup for this thing. It was in Danville, Virginia, and um, it was uh, boy. Uh, I mean, a lot of more modern stuff. But like the headliners, you had Breaking Benjamin, Hailstorm was part of it, Rob Zombie, Limp Bizkit, um, Shine Down, Papa Roach, Five Finger Death Punch, Megadeth. Um, Cypress Hill, I mean, Black Label played it, Testament, Hatebreed, tons of Anthrax played it, Um, a lot of different bands. I mean, the the lineup was pretty impressive, Um, put together by this young guy named Jonathan Sly, and uh, who's done events in the past, but, like, he has a bit of a checkered history, and it... uh, I think they've done a Blue Ridge Rock Festival before, but not at this this new venue. It was like the first time doing it at the venue in Danville. But man, this uh, I was following it live basically as it was going on, and it was a clusterfuck from day one. I, I may be wrong on the number, but it pulled something like sixty thousand people. It was a lot of people. Wow! And it's like a three no, it was a four day event. And but like they had problems from the jump. They had. I guess he's done it before, and he's kind of done everything in-house, but this year he decided to start hiring out contractors and stuff to handle stuff. But mm-hmm. they had fuck-ups with parking. They, like, ADA, you know, disabled people. Yeah. They they had people that were disabled not able to park in the ADA lot, most of it because there was no one doing oversight on the parking lots or the campgrounds or anything, or whoever was hired to do oversight didn't do it. So you had people showing up that hadn't paid for certain things, just taking advantage. And then the people that would show up later that had paid for it were left out in the cold. Dang. You had disabled people having to walk like between one and three miles just to get to the fucking event space on like, you know, unpaved roads and stuff. And, uh, people showing up to camp and they weren't they weren't allowed to get in the campground because people that didn't pay for the campground had shown up and took their spot oh shit so then they got directed to a off-site campground that had no running water no porta potties nothing and it's like a three mile hike to get to the venue um then i've heard so many horror stories from this thing and then the the event starts and they have a thing called the Golden Circle VIP, which is like the area in front of the stage. And this is one thing with festival and like and I posted last week. Note to self: never book a festival because it sounds like such a pain in the ass. So a lot of these festivals are now selling like premium area right in front of the stage. Okay. Yeah. For like super high price and 
So these people are paying for this, but then you have to have somebody at the area by that golden circle to check wristbands, right? You would think. Right, yeah. But you've got general admission fuckers just jumping the fence and going into the golden circle area and filling it up. <laughs> and who could blame them, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, if no one's checking and, and you're, you know, you're loaded to the gills and you're like, well, fuck this, I'm going to go down here and jump in the mosh pit, then you're going to do it. Everybody else is jumping over the fence, so let's jump over the fence too, you know, and that's how it exactly. goes. Exactly. You know, everybody's so there be- to have a good time and see the bands they want to see, and it's not the individual's responsibility to go, oh, that's for other people, you know, we probably shouldn't go in there. No, at the concert, when it's happening, you're going, let's do it. Yeah, so it's... So that happened. I mean, I'm not, this is just tip of the iceberg that I'm talking about on the show. Cause like I said, I could do three episodes on this one festival cause there's so many fucked up things. Wow. And I, I'm sorry to laugh. Cause those of you, yeah, it sounds shitty. Those of you that got screwed, my heart goes out to you because I feel bad for you. And actually the, even the first day, Aaron, somebody set up a group page called screwed by blue Ridge rock festival. And it had like, and like 2000 people had joined it by the end of the wow. day. And, uh, and so I'm so then I joined that group and I'm following and this is one of those things where it's like a car crash you can't help but but watch and um, I'm watching it and I'm following all the news on this screwed by Blue Ridge Rock Fest and the horror stories I'm hearing are just ridiculous. No, it totally sucks to spend that kind of money and think we're going to go have an awesome time. We're going to go see a bunch of our favorite bands. We're going to camp. We're going to have fun. It's going to be great. And then as soon as you set foot in the place, you go, oh, this is all fucked up. It is. And like the, the, the parking area where people were trying to set up their, you know, their stuff, there's no lighting. <laughs> so you're walking back to your, you're, imagine walking to a, a parking lot, which is basically a field with a thousand cars and it's pitch black and trying to find your car. Dang. I mean, it was just completely fucked up. And, uh, I'm, you know, I've been following and like, even, you know, it got to the point where, and then the vendors, the people that were there with the food and stuff to sell, I guess basically the the promoter took all of that money, was supposed to take their fee out and then pay the vendors. They to this day, and this happened like almost two weeks ago, or actually over two weeks ago, they still haven't gotten their money yet. Like they haven't been paid at all. So at the it's, end of the night, when you sold all your hot dogs, you give the money to the promoter, you get nothing, and then he's supposed to give you back your cut. Mm-hmm. Man, fuck all that tell you what i'll give you your cut out of it and i'm taking mine and putting it in my pocket right now yeah and the food lines were bad um which i mean that's part of a festival but um there's just all these different stories of horrible things and then turns out the promoter also was booking a country festival that was supposed to take place like this past weekend and they canceled it and they said that because local officials said that because of COVID, they sh- they would encourage them to cancel or to postpone it. So they postponed it to March or whatever. And they put the, the statement out. And then the local Danville uh, Health Department comes out and goes, we never told them that. Oh. Yeah. So they lied. They lied. And then and now it, there's people coming back and saying that apparently – I don't know how they got away with doing Blue Ridge Rock Festival because now the country festival, like somebody on this screwed by Blue Ridge Rock Festival found like documentation showing that the city had sent 
what it was, the city had sent like all these fees and all these schematics and plans that this Jonathan Sly guy was supposed to submit to the city to get approval. And he missed the deadline and he was supposed to pay something like half a million dollars for missing the deadline. Wow. Once he missed the deadline, that's when it got canceled, but they blamed it on COVID, but it wasn't COVID. It's because he's in debt right now. Jeez. So it, it's become like this, it's like an onion. You, the more you peel it, the uglier it gets. And then like, it's, it's getting, it's just getting worse by the day. And, uh, I would never, ever put my money behind a festival. No. Well, and it's going to get worse. Cause I'm going to talk about more than just this one. So you laugh yeah. now, but wait until 60,000 people show up to rock and pod someday. You shut your mouth. Um, <laughs> No, I will. I will never book it. And and also, I, and we're getting to my next story here. Um, I will never book, especially book an outdoor event ever. Don't never book outdoors. I mean, my hats off to people that try to book these things because it takes big balls to do it. Yeah. But you're dealing with weather. You're dealing with all kinds of you know. There's just so many scenarios that could fuck everything up if yeah. if it goes wrong. And a lot of variables. The next festival is Rebel Rock that was supposed to take place in Orlando on September 23rd through 26th. Let me pull up the lineup for that because they had a great lineup also. Some of these festivals have amazing lineups, but pulling it off is different. So this one had Volbeat, P.O.D. Well, we won't mention Machine Gun Kelly. Ugh. Um, Incubus, Philip H. Anselmo. He was going to do the vulgar display of Pantera set. Skillet. Uh, Papa Roach, Five Finger Death Punch, Kill Switch Engage, The Used, Rise Against Seven Dust. You know, uh, you know a lot of the, more of the modern new metal type stuff. But it's a it's an impressive lineup. For, I mean, if I was a promoter, I'd be pretty happy with this lineup. Hate Breed, August Burns Red. I mean, it's a pretty big name bands here. Pop Evil, Attila. Attila's a great band. If you haven't checked out Attila, check them out. Um, but. Uh, so this one come this one was supposed to happen and they canceled the whole festival and their official thing was there was rain the week before the show and you know it rains a lot in Florida but they canceled it because they said that rain had like flooded the area and the grounds weren't safe and they pretty much blamed the whole thing on the ground being muddy and you know that which is what Bonnaroo did um, although we were here in Tennessee, we saw how much it rained before Bonnaroo. There's no way they could have pulled that off. No. Uh-uh. Um, but this one I've, you know, I've been, so then I started following all the, the chatter on this one and there's tons of people saying, you know, it was supposed to start on a Thursday. They did do some stuff on like side stages, but like, I guess the amphitheater where the main stage was, was kind of on a slope. And they said that the, the mud got so bad that they couldn't do it. But there's a lot of people that, that even that weekend were, were saying, you know, we walked the grounds. We even went by the main stage. It's not that bad. They could have. And, you know, Danny Wimmer, who does um, Louder Than Life and several other festivals. Which I heard that. I heard Louder Than Life went off real well. It did. And he and Dan, everything Danny's done. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's had issues over the years. But overall, that guy knows what he's doing. And for Louder Than Life, they had rain the week before. And he just blew. He 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 threw thirty thousand dollars at it and got like hay and gravel and th- you know threw it on top of the ground and they still went forward. But this 
festival they just straight up canceled and so a lot of people are like there's we're not getting the whole story here and so now stuff is coming out with this one where they're saying they didn't pay the the venue the, now they're blaming the venue saying the venue said we can't go forward even adjusting things so they decided to cancel but there's a bunch of people apparently that at least they say they're in the know saying that no these guys didn't pay their permits and they didn't they didn't pay the city or the venue or something and there's money owed and that's why they canceled they're hiding behind the weather excuse hmm. <laughs> but i feel so bad because you know these people there's probably people from all over the country if not all over the world that are paying for airfare and hotel and all this yeah. to come in for these things so rebel rock never even happened to even be a disaster um and they're not refunding but he, people. but they're not refunding people well let me see it says well you can transfer your tickets to next year which is what they hope for yeah and then it has a thing fill out this form to request a refund but i don't know man um a lot of these events they want to hold your money for a year sure because they've already invested it right well, and yeah, and I mean, to me, as a promoter myself, I know how that works, yeah. and I and and trust me, it goes on a, for me, it's on a way of smaller scale. I'm not saying I'm up there with these people, but I I understand enough to know that, you know, deposits have already been made to these bands, and, you know, travel, airfare, all that stuff. There's a lot of money that's a probably already well gone, that they need to keep in the pipeline. Otherwise, they're going to end up being sunk. So it's not always a case of they're just trying to be greedy and hold your money. Right. You know. Yeah, in most cases so, that's how it is. Right. So they ha they have to hold on to that money or they won't have an event, you know. I mean, I do rock and pot on a shoestring. So to do it on this level, I can't imagine the stress that it must take to to do it. So All right, so Rebel Rock, who knows how that's going to wind up? Um, we'll find out. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how both things shake out for these festivals. Um, and then the last one I want to touch on is Not Fest, which is the, the festival Slipknot puts on in Iowa every year. And the um, the main thing I saw from, I mean, it seems like this one went off well for the most part, but a lot of complaints about, uh, I guess they had like one tent set up for water and food for like 30,000 people. So a lot of people complaining of being in line for, you know, two hours and oh, having to miss uh, several of the headline acts because they were just dehydrated and exhausted. Um, that sucks, man. And, yeah, you're waiting in line to get a water because you're dying and your band is playing up on stage. That's awful. I've been there. Festival life is not easy. No, I'd never go to them. Um no, me neither. I mean, Not anymore. I went to Lollapalooza a couple of times when I was younger, but that was Lollapalooza was just about the only thing going in the early nineties. But uh, the the Ozfest. Well, Ozfest wasn't even a thing at that that time. Um, yeah, it had kind of passed me by by the time Ozfest started. But um, but now with Notfest, I mean that was the main complaint. But I wanted to give props to our buddy Josh Toomey, who uh, is part of the I was you know part of the Notfest media team now. 
and uh, yeah. they in bet- I guess in between acts they were showing uh, his interview with Jesse Leach from Kill Switch Engage up on the big screen and I saw that that's fucking awesome yeah and uh, of course I had to make a joke out of it because he busts our balls all the time so uh, I think you saw it too I, I did see it it was I'm, funny <laughs> I made like the crudest Photoshop I could of Aaron and I on video screens I was like this is lies but uh, <laughs> but no I'm I'm happy for Josh he's uh, he's worked hard to get where he is and uh, I'm uh, you know my hat's off to him I'm, I'm I'm very proud of him and also you know big uh, big congratulations to him he got Jason Newsett on his show I mean that's a huge accomplishment yeah and did a hell of a job and talked about all kinds of cool stuff that I never knew about half that shit like you know why do you wear a Metallica shirt all the time that what a great question you know yeah. to me asked it. Yeah, he uh, he did a great job with that interview, and I know uh, he was he called me that day. Well, he called he he texted me like the day before, and he's like, "I'm interviewing Newstead tomorrow," and I was like, "Well, call me when it's done." And he called me as promised, and I could hear how excited he was. And um, shit, yeah, I'm so happy for him. He's he's worked his tail off to get that to get to this level. So uh, very happy for Josh. So that that was cool, but uh, yeah, the festival stuff, man. I don't know. I, I see all these horror stories, and I'm like, I, I entertainment's having a tough time right now with his festival. Yeah, he has. Um, I guess it was called Ballroom Blitz initially, and then it got changed to Masquerade after COVID, and then they were supposed to do it this month, and then the, I think they just postponed again to like March or May. I can't remember which. It's a tough um, time right now. You know, even me, you know, I had a buddy of mine here named Marcus that's a promoter and he was looking at doing some rock shows and came to me and wanted to know if I'd be interested in, in like emceeing and hosting the shows. And I was like, heck yeah, you know, and we're talking about like bands like Jackal and Enough's Enough and all these great bands, Tora Tora even came up in conversation and uh, yep. so many other great ones. And I was all excited about it, but then really it comes down to the uncertainty of everything. You know, people are scared. Are people going to show up, you know? Yeah. And people want to show up. You know, people are ready to go to concerts again. That's for sure. You know, you look at the numbers of people that showed up at these shows, even if the promotions weren't prepared for that many people, the people are ready to get back out there and start doing stuff again. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we all want to get back to normal life. I mean, it's it's been... Uh... You know, I know when I look back, you know, like 20, 30 years from now, if I make it that far, uh, you know, we're going to be like, damn, remember 2020 and uh, 2021, you know. Yeah, the early 2020s were shit, but then it got really good after that. I hope so. (laughs) We need it. We need a break. Um, But yeah, a couple more stories I want to hit on. um, Well, I seen that that Rock Timber Fest that had Sebastian Bach, Warrant, Dangerous Toys, I think Striper, Kingdom Come. I think that one did really good and didn't have no yeah. problems. Yeah, I didn't hear anything negative about that, so I'm assuming it went well. Baco usually goes to that. I need to talk to him and see if he went with this year. Yeah, that's up in Minnesota. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know, man. The festival thing is, uh, it's a it's a mixed bag. You don't, you don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes the ba- the lineup is great, but then the obviously the concessions or services are bad, but or vice versa, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I will not be booking an outdoor festival anytime soon. <laughs> you know, I, uh, that's when I think about like my festival experiences. I mean, I didn't go to a lot of them because it's just such it a is. hassle. You know, you want to go see a band, go see a band, but a festival thing, it's yeah. I mean, you can't just go see the band. It's a weekend deal. You know, so you got to look at camping and all that, and are you safe out there? And 
Man, I went to OzFest 97 when I was young, and I'm higher than I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life. You know, good thing I was young, because today it would have killed me. But 97, man, it was such a great time, and it was such a great show, and we were so out of our minds for it and drinking and having a good time on top of it. And when it came time that, you know, you get to that point in the festival where it's like, I got to just have a water, you know, I, all I need is a water. And then you go and you find out like the waters are like 10 bucks a <laughs> bottle. And it's like, fuck, I can't even afford to buy a water. You know, I remember that. That was one thing about Ozfest. I remember at the end when Black Sabbath was up on stage, I remember like kind of laying in my chair and raising my fist and like be like, Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> So festivals aren't easy. That shit's for young people, oh, yeah. I think, you know. And But then again, you look at some of them and, you know, people show up for them. But I think, like you said, it's the difference. Like that the Rocktemberfest thing up in Minnesota, that was at a casino. So that was an indoor deal, you know. So bathrooms readily available, you know, all yeah. that. Bars, waters, all that, you know. Outdoors, it's a little sketchy. Yeah, the... Um the main festival highlight I can remember was uh, it was Lollapalooza here in Nashville, 91 or 92. I can't remember what year it was, but it was uh, some of the main people that played, like Rage Against the Machine was on that bill. And um, But the main thing I remember was a bunch of us were watching Babes in Toyland. Do you remember Babes in Toyland? I do. So they were, they were playing, and they weren't very good. <laughs> they were kind of awful. And they were playing on the main stage, and then you, you remember like in between songs, did you ever go to a Lollapalooza back in the day? No, never did. Well, I mean, Ozfest had the same thing where you'd have the main stage and the side stage and you would, you'd, you'd hear, you could hear what was going on in the side stage in between the songs on the main stage uh-huh. and in between songs on Babes in Toyland, we're hearing this really cool grooving metal sound. Like, What is that? And like we have to go check this out because Babes in Toyland weren't that that impressive, so we go over to the side stage and it was Tool when they were still kind of unknown. Yeah, and they were just amazing, and that was I still remember seeing that was the first time I first time I really even knew who Tool was. This was before Sober even came out. This was like when Opiate was was their release. Well, and that explains because I'm sure you're not the only one in the world on that tour that had very same experience, and then next thing you know tool is enormous you know yeah well and then when sober came out that just broke the doors wide open which i know a lot of you guys listening aren't tools fans but now now i know you've been drinking when i say tools enormous you're supposed to say that's what she said yeah you haven't met my friend dixie (laughs) her last name's enormous um oh man yeah, we've been recording too long. Um, yeah, we actually talk I, about time travel. We actually had to take a break because we had a major malfunction, <laughs> and now you don't know it or wouldn't know it, but we actually took like a 10-minute break in between. Yeah. And I drank another beer, so uh-huh. bad scene. But now a um, couple more stories we want to touch on. Um, one kind of sad. Um, did you hear about Richie Faulkner? Had a heart attack on stage. I was just talking to somebody about that today. That was at the Louder Than Life Festival, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I haven't watched the footage yet, but somebody said during their last song, I, you could see him clutching his chest. Man, and, what a uh, trooper, you know? You, and he finished the set. He's having a heart attack on stage and be like, no way, I've still got three more songs to go. 
That's crazy. Yeah. And uh, I guess they rushed him to the hospital, and apparently he had a 10-hour open-heart surgery. Holy shit. So uh, it must have been really bad. And um, Jeez, when you hear ama- when you hear that, you know, one of the guys from Priest went down, you don't expect it to be the young dude. Yeah, he's supposed to be the young, healthy guy. Um, but, you know, heart attacks can hit anybody. It's true. But, uh, it's, uh, yeah, scary, but, like, it was, um, you know, he finished the show, and uh, his wife, Mariah, uh, posted about it, and she's been kind of the person updating it. Did you know he's married to George Lynch's daughter? Uh, I, we had an interesting conversation with somebody that told us that the other day, and that was the first time I'd ever heard it. Yeah, and they live out here in Murfreesboro, where I live, wow. in Tennessee. Yeah, I, I got to find out where they live so I can stalk them. But, um, Why don't you let them heal up first? Yeah, I probably will. Yeah, that's know. good. Hey, Richie, I, I know your chest hurts and all, but let, let's do an interview. Um, but uh, I'd love to do an Albums Unleashed on Firepower with him. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. But maybe one once he heals up, but uh, give him time. But yeah, he. Um, but yeah, I guess he's doing okay. He's stable now, and he's doing. He's resting, and he's doing okay. But yeah, they canceled the rest of the tour, and I and I will mention, you know, I posted about this on the Decibel Geek channels, and you know, and a couple of people that are like, "Oh, bring KK back," and like, I know that that's the knee jerk reaction, but that seems a little cold to me. Like, you know, the the poor guy's suffering in the hospital. That would like, be Let's awful. bring KK back. That'd be like, you know, know, if your drummer in the 80s had all of a sudden an affliction and you just went out and replaced him real quick. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty loyal to Richie, and, I mean, he's done a lot for that band. So, I I mean, I love I love KK, and to me, honestly, and I'm a, I'm a Priest fan just like the rest of you guys, obviously Andy Sneap is an amazing producer. I would much rather KK be filling in on Glenn Tipton's parts than, than Andy Sneap. But still, I mean, let's... Let's let Richie heal up, and like the the band has their reasons for not letting KK come back, so let him have it. But um, that'd be yeah, I yeah. don't. I, and on top of it, what an asshole move that would be, you know? Your, it would. Your guitar player goes down with a badass heart attack, and it takes time to heal up, and you're like, oh fuck it, replace him with the old guy. Yeah, that's shitty. And I mean, and I'm bummed out because they were gonna, they were, I mean, Priest was gonna play here in like three weeks, yeah. and I was gonna go. So, um, you know, and I'm bummed that they're not going to come, but you know, life happens, you know, heart attacks happen. So I, I hope Richie's okay. And I hope he heals up and they get to go back on their tour. Cause they're, they're doing a 50 years, uh, 50th anniversary tour. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, best wishes to Richie Faulkner. Hope he heals up yeah. fast. And then the last story. Oh, I've got one. I've got one after yeah. that. What do you, oh no, go ahead and go do it. Let's do yours. We'll finish with mine. Okay. So I got one, and, you know, being a wrestling nerd that I am, I pay attention to the wrestling news. And one thing that was really cool that recently happened, Brian Danielson's one of my favorite dudes. He's like the consummate underdog. He's not a big guy, but, man, he can he can do stuff in that ring that looks like it's killing somebody. And big fan of his. And so when it was announced that he was leaving WWE and going to AEW, I was super excited about that. And he, I, it got me thinking about his theme music because, like, when you're in the WWE and you got a theme song and you leave and you go somewhere else, you can't take that shit with you. So when he was in WWE, mm. he'd come out to the ring to the song Ride of the Valkyries, you know. And, but yeah. before that, when he was an independent wrestler, he would come out to the ring to the final countdown by Europe. Hmm. And I thought, I can't take that song with him because, you know, that's his WWE song. But, man, that would be so awesome 
to be able to see him come to the ring to the final countdown, man. That's, But that's not what ended up happening. In an interview, he said, we talked about using the final countdown, but it was way too expensive. It wasn't just the amount of money. They would only let AEW play it like 20 times a year or something like that. For several hundred thousand dollars, you can play Final Countdown 20 times a year. And obviously that wasn't going to work for nobody. But the cool thing about it is his song is kind of a universal song. Like nobody owns Flight of the Valkyries. So he ends up using that anyway. But man, I was kind of bummed out that he wasn't able to come to the ring to the Final Countdown. I thought that would have been super cool. But for $100,000, you can play the Final Countdown but you can only do it 20 times a year. Is that uh, money-grubbing Joey Tempest? <laughs> it's too bad, <laughs> too. Really. That'd be awesome. Because they got CM Punk there, and he comes out to the ring to uh, Cult of Personality by Living Color. Oh, does he? Oh, that's cool. So obviously they must give them a lot better deal, which is the crazy thing is because when CM Punk is about to make his debut in AEW and everybody knows tonight's the night, on Spotify, that song goes through the roof. Sure. And so for Living Color, that's a huge boost for them. For well, people, they get 30, 30 cents from that. They get a whole 30 cents from that after all them Spotify <laughs> downloads. But it's the it's the Spotify street cred, I think, that's where the real value is, I guess. And to say, yeah. look at how much our song's getting downloaded today. So I guess maybe, you know, Europe don't care about that. I'm trying to remember what record label Europe was on. I think Mercury back in the day, but you know, it's, it's whoever owns it. Right. I guess whoever owns the master tapes, but uh, you know, it's funny. My, uh, my daughter's marching band, the the final countdown is one of their songs in the marching band halftime oh, show. <laughs> I hope so. they don't play it more than 20 times a year. <laughs> well, no, th- yeah, this team ain't making the playoffs. So they're good. <laughs> <laughs> they only got to play it 10 times. Yeah, it's like ten times at the most, <laughs> but they're okay. But uh, yeah, it, it's it, the copyright stuff is just out of hand, which you and I personally yeah. know. Yeah, that's why you don't hear a whole lot of music on our show anymore. I tell you what, though, there's so much independent stuff that's good yeah. right now that uh, we got to do a fresh blood soon. But we might be able to start doing radio suck shows just on stuff that's unsigned yeah. right now. I mean, there's. There's so much good stuff that's not attached to major labels now that I think we could get back to doing Radio Sucks oh, even for that. My dream comes true. I really think so. I mean, there's and even even bands that are, you know, well-known bands that are just doing it on their own now. I think Well, we look at that song today. We both shared it. Byron Nemeth's new song, his band, man, it's fucking awesome, yep. you know? And they're not signed to no major label, and I would definitely consider that something that if I had a radio station... I'd be playing that song. What's the name of that thing? I you got it offhand. Put me on the spot. I put it in the Dropbox because I, I thought we would play okay. out with it. Oh, all right. Um, so I don't know, but we'll tell you at the end of the show. <laughs> okay, cool. So we'll play out with it. Um, yeah, we'll play out. Sounds with great. It. I'm sorry, so, I forgot the name. We'll remember yeah. it by the end. All right. So one more story, and because I'm a uh, Ramones nerd, I had to share this because this is a wow. What a story! It's only fair. I entangled wrestling in our conversation again. You got to bring the Ramones. Yeah. So Johnny Ramones number one Moss Wright guitar, which you know the white guitar that he played all the time. Yeah. Uh, it sold at auction for nine hundred thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. Wow! 
almost a cool million. Almost a million dollars. It's a 1965 Moss Wright Ventures II electric guitar, and uh, used it for nearly two decades. Yeah. Basically played it on every album from like 77 to 96 wow. and every Ramones performance. Wow. It was the guitar. And, uh, does it say yeah, who 1, bought it? 1,985 shows. Uh, it, it does not say who bought the, the guitar. That'd be nice to know. Like, who is the awesome millionaire that just has to have that in their collection? Because, I mean, face it, if, if you were a billionaire and, you know, the things we collect, you know, like I collect CDs I'm and I'm looking for dollar CDs. But if I was a billionaire, I could have any CD I wanted and it wouldn't mean nothing to me. But then there's something like that. You know, yeah. the number one Ramones guitar, the one that Johnny played all them years on all those songs and all those albums and all those shows and all them tours, you know, the guitar. There's only one of those in the entire world. So therefore, what's it worth? Damn near a million dollars. And, only, and, and it wasn't um, Linda Ramone that sold it. Um, it was Daniel Ray who played on a lot of Ramones records and was very close to the band. Uh, I guess Johnny had given it to him, but I wow. have a, I do have a speculation theory on who bought the guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Jim Ursay, who owns the Indianapolis Colts probably bought it. What makes you think that? Because he, well, a, he's a billionaire. Yeah. Well, yeah. And B, he buys famous guitars constantly. Ah, he's, he okay. owns so many rock and roll legendary guitars that I, I would not that. be shocked if he's the one who bought it. I did not know that. Huh. Yeah. He buys guitars. Anytime a major guitar goes over auction, he's usually the guy that buys it. Man, he must have one awesome room at his house. Yeah. I need to find a way to get Jim Irsay on the show. <laughs> yeah. You know, if he's a big fan of rock music, then... Oh, he is. He loves rock. Maybe we should see if we can get him on the show. It's worth a shot. We'll put an email out and see what happens. Nice. We don't want to talk <laughs> but, about football. We don't want to talk about billionaire stuff. We want to talk about your guitars. Yeah, but uh, I just, man, I, God, I, I, I kind of drool thinking about owning that guitar. That would have been amazing to own. Yeah. Oh man, I'd want to plug it in and just one time. Yep. One, two, three, four. That's amazing though. It only had a single coil and a humbucker in the neck, and I mean, it was like. The, the fat sound that he would get out of that, that guitar, pretty much with a... And he usually had it on the single coil setting. Um, it's crazy. He had, like... Johnny Ramone had, like, the craziest right hand in rock. And I suppose he his identity was that guitar, you know? Yeah. And that's originally, you know, you think of that first album. A lot of guitar players after that be like, oh, okay, no, I got this new thing, this new toy, this, I like this guitar, I tried that guitar. Not him, man. He no. said that's the sound, that's the guitar, and that's what it'll always be. No, he never wanted to experiment with other stuff. He just kept what, he, what worked for him. No, yeah. he knew what worked. And actually today, as of this recording, and I posted about it on Facebook, uh, Too Tough to Dive, the 1984 album by the Ramones, uh, today's the anniversary of that album. Yeah, yep. definitely not their best. Nah, it's still a fun record, though. There's yeah. some good songs on there. Mama's yeah. Boy, War Dog. You know, there's a lot of good stuff on that record. I don't know. That's, That's one of my rich, least favorites. Rich, really? That's yeah. the one of their heavier records. That's uh, the Richie Ramone era. Yeah. I don't know. So is that it? That's our news? Well, 
You know, I'm going to pull an Eddie trunk. I just got a text back from Troy Lucetta, my good friend. Oh, really? <laughs> Is that, uh, Fuck off, Chris Sinzak. Leave me alone. Yeah, I'm breaking news. Um, <laughs> I just had said, hey, Troy, just recently heard the news about your break from Tesla. Hope everything's okay. And he says, thank you, Chris. Everything's okay. Just enjoying some time from home. Stay healthy. So There yeah. you go. Just like There's- we called it. He built that awesome-ass studio, yep. and now he wants to hang out and use it. Can't blame him for that. Yeah, that's my good friend, T- Troy Lucetta. We, we talk all, right. all the time. Well, if he's such a great friend, maybe we can get back together for another Albums Unleashed, huh? Oh, that's my next text. <laughs> Once okay, we get done good. recording this. Sounds good. Sounds like you got some free time, Troy. Yeah. Let's talk about rock and roll. Sounds good to me. Well, this was fun. Um, I'm drunk now, but I'll also be drunk on a beach when you listen to this. All right. I'm drunk now, and I could fairly well be drunk when you're listening to this as well. Just in Tennessee. Come down to the beach and hang out. <laughs> I got to work, man. I ain't got no vacation. The joys of an office job. Well, good deal, man. This is a lot of fun. I'm glad we got together and did this so that, you know, people didn't have to wonder for another week where the hell we're at. Yeah, I'm glad we, we're, we're in the past. We're getting back on more uh, on a more consistent schedule. So thank you guys for hanging in there with us. All right. Well, rock and roll. And we'll see you next week. See ya. Oh yeah, Byron Nemeth's new song. Man, this guy's put together a hell of a band. Check this out, crank it up, and then go check out the video on Facebook and follow Byron Nemeth. He's got some awesome stuff going on. Brand new music you're going to love right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. This one's called You Know It's True.